Hi, welcome to another episode of Healthy Distractions, a show with two Marvel fanboys who talk all things Marvel except for when we don't. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And we just got back from Wakanda for the second time. And I will say, I am thoroughly impressed, um, riveted if you will, but not blown away. And I think you might have a summer review, but for different reasons. I think that's fair to say. I I think we both went into this movie, as we discussed in our last episode, we were kind of worried slash excited. Worried because the reviews were saying this was... A game changer. A game changer, revolutionizing the superhero genre, and just in general, a, an amazing movie that has never been seen before. We've seen this movie before. It was Wonder Woman, it was Spider-Man, it was... The typical get your power, lose your power, find out who you really are, reclaim yourself. But that being said, it still did a lot of amazing things that puts this head over heels above some of the other superhero movies that we've seen before. Yeah, you know, and just to you know, just to like go on and just like do do my quick deep dive and just like get into it. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I I can't really talk about this movie or any movie that they do without getting the spoilers. So yeah, I feel like when the movie wasn't being a superhero movie, it really soared for me, like soared like the same level of like uh, Batman Begins or like other like strong movies that had really good first installments or first like really good first impressions. But I think when they actually like had to, had to do like the obligatory superhero stuff in terms of like slow mo action scenes and like the final third act bat like natural confrontation that you have to have. That's where it took me out of it, just because, like you were saying before, we've seen these elements before, and even though this is completely in a different context, a completely fresh new context, that part just stood out to me. Like, I, I couldn't not see that a lot of the stuff was familiar, which which I guess like that kind of made the movie drag in, in those few instances. But overall, like my, my visceral emotional reaction was very powerful. I was reading something either before we went, or maybe you sent this to me, but you know, it mentioned that they didn't include the Soul Stone in this movie because Ryan Coogler Coogler said it would be too much. And I'm really happy that actually they they didn't bring it up. So that was one thing that I'm like, we already kind of have an idea that it's there. We don't need it in this movie. Uh, But to your point, you're right. All all the whole story around the not superhero stuff. That was the best part. His fights with first the Jabari King and then with Michael B. Jordan when they're both not Black Panther. Those were two great scenes that I, you know, they were good action scenes, good fight scenes. But then when he's Black Panther against Killmonger at the end of the movie, we're kind of like, meh, it's pretty generic. It jumps around a lot and it's, you know, typical boring action scene. It was so weird because, I mean, just on a technical level, I mean, at least for now, like, with this review, I'm just, like, going to get all my nitpicky stuff out so then we can talk about, like, everything else this movie did really wonderful. But, like, in Civil War, when we first meet Black Panther, that was a great introduction, and the suit looked phenomenal. And even, like, the, the parts where it, ha- it must have been CGI, it still flowed and was seamless. But in that final fight scene, it just, it looked like something like, out of, like, a 1992 PlayStation game. Like, the, like the actual physical f- suits. And then they do the thing that they do in all these movies where they had where they take the masks off, like, okay, like that's that's I can be invested in now. But when they're just in their full suits fighting, it's like you were just saying, it just felt like a typical final third act confrontation we've seen in literally every other movie we've seen in this genre. Yeah. 
My other nitpicky thing would be Killmonger. Overall, I thought his background was really good. Like, they did a good job of making you actually feel compassion for Killmonger and giving him an actual reason for wanting to... for being there. That being said, I felt like they still could have done a little bit more with his character. This one is a hard villain, I think, to reuse. I feel like he almost had to die in this movie, but at the same time... I feel like we didn't get enough of Michael B. Jordan. We got a fair amount, but once he became ruler of Wakanda, I feel like we could have seen a lot more. When they put him in the sand and he flashes back to the ancestors, which is just the apartment in Oakland, that was really cool. That was fun. But then after that, it just kind of like drops down for me. I don't know if you felt the same way. It's funny you say that because the screenwriter was talking about what you just said about this wasn't going to be a reusable villain. That is, their intent was always to have him die in the movie. I mean, that's how they wrote that. That's, that was the, they're always the original intent, and there was no mandate to, like, well, maybe we shouldn't do this. They thought it was important for him to make that choice at the end. I'd rather die than live in bondage. But I think, actually, Killmonger sort of encompasses this movie where it garners discussion. It actually, like, there's a lot there to talk about with him. Because I think, like, I'm not trying to twist your words, but for you, was it just, like, you wanted to see more of him? Because we kind of jump quickly to the end once he becomes the king of Wakanda. Right. Like, he gets it, and then all of a sudden we flash to the Jabari where T'Challa is in a coma. And then he's got his suit in there at the big final battle. Uh, we don't really see a lot of personal interaction, either between maybe him and the guy from Get Out. I don't know his name. Or maybe him and, you know, someone else. But we don't. we basically jump from him giving the orders to final fight. Maybe I'm also just maybe thinking too much about him being king of Wakanda, because that wasn't really the point. We saw a lot of him, you know, before. It's hard for me to say what that more is, because I don't know. Because he did such a good job with the time that he had, I just wanted to see more of him. Right, so I, th- I think that works in the film's favor, but I understand, like, so, like the slight frustration of just, like... I mean, to me, well, I, I mean, I'd rather be, you want to see more than see less of him, so that, I think that's to the film's credit. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, can we just get into Killmonger? Because, like, to me, when I was reading the reviews, that's the part that always stood out for, like, a lot of the reviews talking about how it's Marvel Marvel's first truly great villain. Once again, I think the reviews are being a little hyperbolic and kind of dismissive of what's come before. Granted, they've struggled with their villains, but they have had a few that stood out for both of us, I think. I will say, though, that he does, he definitely does fall into, like, the latter category of a memorable, compelling, strong villain. He's the best one and done. But for, to say he's the best Marvel villain for those reviews, I think, like you said, it's a little hyperbolic. I still think Zemo is probably the best villain that Marvel has. Right, and I think the commonality there is the fact that their humanity is on display. And they're just people, right? And I think that's one relatable thing between Zemo and Michael B. Jordan is. So they, they're just someone who got screwed by you know an event in their life or something like that. And they want to make a difference in the way that the best way that they see that they can make a difference so in that way you relate to these characters a little bit and these villains and even vulture they're basically they're people who were aggrieved and this is the way of lashing back out the world exactly so do i think killmonger's one of marvel's best villains he's up there but i still would definitely rank loki from the first thor vulture and zemo above him i still have a hard on for hella (laughs) hella's pretty good too i forgot about hella um, I've seen that Thor movie so many times now. I think for Killmonger, it's the fact that his motivations... 
it's one of those things. If he wasn't such a murderous psychopath, I mean, he'd be he'd be in the right. But his solution is like, well, we just need to kill everyone back, or we need to like oppress the oppressors. It's almost a little Daenerys Targaryen, right. um, the breaker of chains, uh, Bellamy, or I'll burn you alive along with your son. Exactly. And and somebody, I mean, there's a few articles I've written, I've read, um, written by by black authors who've made the point saying like, I hope now we can stop comparing. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X to Xavier Magneto and say, like, why don't we actually compare those characters to like T'Challa and Killmonger? I think that's a much more apt analogy. I think Killmonger, he his solution was off, but like the the grievances he felt, especially being like the representation of like the African American plight in America, uh, compared to like T'Challa who's lived this life of privilege in this like literal safe haven, and watching those two clash, that was like a big heartbeat for me for the whole movie. Okay, so yeah. I mean, I think in general we both liked Killmonger's character and he's definitely up there with one of Marvel's villains. Also like the performance, the fact that they got Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Um, he's, he starred in Ryan Coogler's other two films, so I, was, I, guess like the, I guess like that's his sort of his lucky charm, rightfully so. Michael B. Jordan always delivers the goods and this is no exception. I think one of the other great things about this movie was... The fact that it actually did embrace, you know, African culture included in that sphere of that, you know, general African culture. I would assume that the music and the score behind it was one of it, was part of it. I love the score in this movie. And I'm not talking about Kendrick Lamar's album, which was also great. But the drums throughout the movie, the music, the background, it's very, it's very unique for a Marvel movie. We said it, I think, we talked about this before, but Thor Ragnarok had probably Marvel's first score that's actually memorable, and I think this comes up right behind it as another memorable score. I think one of the great things about this movie was the fact that he really didn't not only embrace like the music of Africa, but you know also the colors, the people, the culture, and everything about it that really made it feel like you know an African country. Right, it's one of those things where, like, Black Panther is a movie that there's 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 always a good time for this movie to be made, but I think if it had been made at any other time, it would not have been as effective. It would have been whitewashed or dumbed down or blunted for white audiences. And so I do appreciate the fact that, like, all the stars really aligned to have, you know, an almost entirely black cast, uh, black director, and a movie that celebrates blackness. And the fact that they don't shy away from that or try to like I said, to try to launder it for a mainstream audience. But but instead, instead exposing mainstream audiences to African culture or, or presenting it in a, new, in a new light. And also being, I think, the first the first mainstream Afro, Afro-futurist movie, which is like this whole subgenre of sci-fi, a black utopia society. But you have like Wakanda, this civilization untouched by colonization, and it's a bright, optimistic future featuring black faces present. Whereas like a lot of sci-fi... You know, it's the future, but there's still only white faces here, which is like a reminder to black people, like, oh, you still don't have a place in the future. And this is the complete opposite of that. It's one of those things where I haven't listened to like a bunch of other reviews yet. I only just read a few, but I hope nobody shies away from like talking about that. As much as like I want to talk about the the superhero stuff and all that stuff, which is fine. But like this movie, like the the, the whole point and like that the big part of this movie's identity is Africa. And celebrating it in all its glory, while still posing it and trying to answer some very difficult questions in our past. Yeah, great point. 
I think one of the other areas that we should, you know, talk about in the review of this movie is the acting itself. I think that all around, this cast was hands down one of the best casts of a Marvel movie. All of the main players were great doing what they were doing in this movie. Chadwick Boseman was actually probably one of the weaker actors in this movie. They were so good that it outshined Chadwick Boseman. I was actually more excited every time I saw Nakia and the general of the military on screen. Those two were so good in this movie. And they were vibrant, strong, and loud. They surrounded Chadwick Boseman with such a great cast. Once again, just to clarify, not that his acting was subpar, it's just that, like you were saying, he was outshined by the rest of the cast. I feel like even though the movie is called Black Panther, it's definitely an ensemble movie where everyone pulls their weight. I think that's also what's so refreshing is the fact that, uh, like, Lupita Nyong'o's character, um, she is, like, a love interest type. I mean, I guess she, if you had to, if you had to like, box her into, what, uh, like, her role in the film, you could you could say that. But to me, she's also essential to the plot. There's no wasted characters. But every, like, whenever um, uh, Nakia and, and uh, T'Challa were talking about, like, Wakanda's future, and, like, her, her, her position is, like, we should be more open borders and share our wealth with the rest of the country and him being more cautious and watching like those political differences play out. And that was like just so rich and compelling. And that that's what drove me further into the movie. And speaking of, I also want to talk about just the politics of Black Panther. Not just um, the racial politics, which I think we've t- touched on a little bit, but I'm actually super excited to see where they go next with this. I'm nervous because like, I feel like this film does so much so well. I'm like, well, how, like where do you go next? Like they, they did everything in this film. Like, what does an open Wakanda mean for the for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or or in Spider-Man: Homecoming two? Will the, will the world be in a different place because of a more open Wakanda? I know Infinity War is going to have a big effect on all this as well, but Wakanda's influence, how that would be presented in the future Marvel films, and the fact that like just from a purely like story point of view, not not even in the MCU, but just for any sci-fi movie I've seen as of recent, this is like the first time where America isn't the superpower. Like, in the MCU, Wakanda is the most powerful country. I think that's really exciting. We've all been so America self-obsessed for our whole lives, at least I have, in terms of what we see on screen. Watching, like, this African utopia be the predominant country is... It's, it's thrilling. <laughs> and how that actually presents itself in this film, and what that can mean for the future installments. Yeah, I... I totally agree with that. I think seeing Wakanda as like the super, world superpower is going to be very interesting. I because it's Marvel, I don't know how much they're actually going to play into that, or if it's going to be more of like it's a joint, it's like a joint effort between America and Wakanda kind of thing, or just completely glaze over it, which I think they're the route that they're going to take. I'm curious as to how his role and his or. Wakanda's new newly found presence in the world, how is that going to affect the other t- team members of the Avengers? No, respectfully, I do want to push back, though, where I think they're going to fully embrace like Wakanda's role in the world and the influence it has, because I don't see why they would set that up in this movie. And I feel like Ryan Coogler did not hold back at all in this movie in terms of how he wanted to present Wakanda, um, the importance of the country. Um, African culture, like there, there's no half measures in this movie or or dulling down those those edges, and so I think for a, for a sequel, if it, the focus is on the future of Wakanda, 
they're going to like go really interesting weird places with it so that's why I'm, I'm slightly nervous like in a, like a sequel anxiety way just because like they did so much so right this first time around like well, where do you go from here but I, I have no doubts that they can they can deliver I think they will be there and they will be acknowledged as one of the world's superpowers but I don't know if it's going to be like a focus well I think the, but the reason like I, I'm so harping on this point though about like Wakanda supremacy <laughs> It's because, actually, there's that word supremacy, which has many connotations in this context of this conversation. As Americans, like, we, and then in our pop culture, in our politics, we have a very self-obsessed view of ourselves in the world. And so I think this could be a really good opportunity to have that complete, that notion completely challenged. It's like in Doctor Strange when, um, but when she turns to Stephen Strange and says, it's all about you. I, and I think that's a sentiment that could be definitely echoed in the second movie, which would be very challenging for, for American audiences. The same way that I think this movie was very challenging for predominantly or for for white for white audiences and for also for Hollywood generals who have said for many years saying like black people and people of color or women and so so on and so forth like the list goes on they can fill these certain roles but audiences don't want to see them in the spotlight and this movie similar to Wonder Woman it says like that's beyond fucking not true and I think the two hundred million dollar opening did not hurt no that I think somebody made the point that like. If they even with a moderate pace, they're gonna out they're gonna outgross Justice League in a week, <laughs> and rightfully so. And the thing is too, and it, you know, the new Star Wars movies are very heavy on women and people of color as well, and those have also had the strongest opening weekend. So I think this notion that people that will only want to see you know main white male actors is definitely getting thrown out the door. <laughs> right, and rightfully, it's, it's also the idea that like. Having more movies like Black Panther or Wonder Woman, or having people who have not been, who've not been represented in the spotlight, that doesn't mean we can't still have the stuff we had before. Like we're still gonna have Captain America movies and Thor movies. Like that's not it doesn't take away from that. If anything, it enhances those films and makes the genre stronger. Like it doesn't any facet, whether it's films or business or politics. Like it's it makes us all better for it. So like when Idris Elba becomes the next James Bond everything's going to be fine. The world's not going to blow up. I just saw about cannot be James Bond for one very, very simple reason. And I didn't want to have to get into this now, but I think he said he doesn't want to do it. But John Boyega, who is British, could yeah. totally be James Bond. <laughs> I could see John Boyega. That'd be awesome. I'm not the first, nor will I be the last to comment on this fucking article by the toxic factory that is Breitbart. But in just in case you you didn't see it, like Breitbart, did a review of Black Panther and like, and at first like okay, Breitbart take, take like you know do an interview of Black Panther. Your first thought is probably, oh god, they're gonna have to like basically ruin it, undermine it. It's like well they do, but not in the way you think. They try to ruin the, and co-opt the movie by saying T'Challa is pretty much like Trump. He favors protectionist borders and preventing free, a free flow of immigrants into his country. And Killmonger is all or Black Lives is Black Lives Matter. Matter. Oh yeah, I com- thank you for my. I completely forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We could spend another six hours. Um, and once again, we're by no means racial theory experts or people who have studied this topic in, in detail, but you and I could still spend five hours discussing how fucking horrible and shitty that article title is. And the article itself is. First how of all... shitty Breitbart is in well, general. Yes. And I know what they're doing, because they're doing a thing where it's like, you know, how about this, Breitbart? I'll do your job for you. Steal Magnolias. 
Yeah, you're right, you're right. Sally Field is tr- Donald Trump in that movie. So you can do that for any movie. It doesn't matter. You're just being trolls and toxic pieces, pieces of shit, as always. Um, so b- thank you for that consistency. But just stay on, just stay on topic. Um, I think the one comparison of Trump in this movie that I did see was when Killmonger takes the, 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 th- the throne because it's such a painful thing f- for everyone around. Like, this bad person is now king. And he, and he, and he did it legitimately. I mean... He did legitimately. Like he, he he did the contest and he, and he got to be king. So he followed the rules. But we have to respect these institutions, even though he doesn't respect those institutions, and that's beyond fucked up. But even that's a stretch because like Killmonger at least is doing things not for himself. He's has a good plan. He's competent and capable. And like and like I said, like he's doing this based on like a real grievance that has, that has affected him throughout his whole life and affects billions of people around the world. Sorry, I'm almost done with my rant. So it's like, even that's like a not an apt comparison. Just to fuck those Breitbart guys, T'Challa wants to open borders by the end of this movie. And there's literally a line in that's what the I was, movie that's what I was, yeah. that says, when we are at our most divisive, we need to build bridges, not close, or not create barriers. It's one of those things where like, it's, you know, the internet, I think it said many great things, but the one thing it does consistently well is, Hmm. We see black people are enjoying themselves. How can we? How can we lessen that joy and take it away? <laughs> well, Breitbart, nice fucking try, but <laughs> no, no cigar. So this might be off. This might be off topic too. But what was that whole thing about? Was it DC fans who wanted to put negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, or was it alt right people who wanted to put negative reviews of? The, the lines blurred there because I don't know where the two intersect. But either way, it's a shitty thing. And and this was like a week ago where they said it was a Facebook DC group talking about, yeah, they were going to tilt the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes to, to, to try to hurt the movie, which is asinine unto itself, Beyond besides being racist. <laughs> but if you want to bring up the DC-Marvel divide, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in Justice League, um, he's tweeted glowing reviews for the movie and has encouraged people to see it. So it's like, once again, these are just movies, but movies can mean so much more than especially in this context. So, like T'Challa said, what you just reminded us, there's more that that we have in common that separates us. I'm like a little overwhelmed talking about the movie just because it emotionally affected me. It does so much so well, but I can't like, there's just so much I want to talk about, but I know like we're at limited time, obviously. Yeah. Um, the few things I want to bring up quickly is I think this is the best looking movie. Um, the set designs, the, the, the way everything was shot. Do you think it was over, maybe that's not a fair comparison, but over like a Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, because those movies are very colorful and fun and exciting, but to me, Wakanda felt like a real place. And, not, and once again, that's not to diminish what came before in, this, in those movies, but like the whole, like this movie's, the stakes of this movie are directly tied into how Wakanda is presented. Does this feel like a real country that I'm invested in? And the pain and labor that was clearly put into like making this country feel real. And to me, that paid off in so many different ways. Okay. And then literally, it was something I had never seen before. Like, the way they presented the Wakandan technology, it was, like, the perfect blend of, like, science and magic. Uh, it felt fully integrated and, like, really unique. Like, um, when the, the first time we see the general flying the plane, how she's, like, in that, like, warrior monk pose, and that's how you fly the plane. Or, like, when T'Challa picks up, like, the the CGI construct of the trucks, uh, when, he's desert, when he's doing that rescue machine in the beginning, and so on. Like, there's a million examples. But just the way the technology manifests itself was really interesting. Um, like the vibranium caves were gorgeous. 
And the fact that, like, this is a perfect, I mean, a perfect representation of Afrofuturism. I'm not an expert. Uh, this is the, actually the first time I heard that genre ever laid out, reading reviews for this movie, so I have a lot to catch up to do. It was the perfect blend of, like, real-world real world African culture and this fantastical land that can be real. I And, and we mentioned this before about T'Challa taking a back seat in his own movie, which was noticeable, but I was okay with because... I guess what I, what I liked about T'Challa so much, like, compared to, like, Thor, who is, like, another royalty, royalty case... Thor, you know, in the first time we ever saw him in his first movie, there was that sense of entitlement and brash and braggadocio, braggadocio and being an arrogant douchebag, pretty much. Whereas, like, with, with T'Challa, I think similar to Captain... He's more similar to Captain America, where there's, like, this wholesome decency to him that we saw in Civil War. I mean, not the part where he tries to kill somebody without due process. <laughs> that part wasn't great. But, you know, his heart was in the right place. By his presentation in this film, he was just a really sweet, kind person who tries to avoid violence and also tries to make up for the past, which I really, really appreciated. Another strength of this film was uh, not just their, not just Wakanda, how it's represented, but everything we see in the movie. Like in the beginning, when they when they do the quick catch up about like you know the origins of Wakanda, the meteor striking them and the five tribes and all that stuff, and how that's sort of like the lifeblood of the movie that's sort of what keeps everything the, the drama sort of originates from is who, who's supposed to rule how do you rule these five tribes let alone the rest of the world and all that constant conflict it's like the same reason like why Game of Thrones was so interesting the first time I saw it where it was less about winning the throne it's more about keeping the throne and all that entails now this is the last thing that I want to bring up but why did we not get an Infinity War trailer before this movie not just an Infinity War trailer but like when we saw it the first time, they had, like, a trailer for fucking The Strangers, like, a horror movie. Yeah. It's like, this is not the fucking demographic for that yeah. shit. It's like, Han Solo, okay, Disney, Star Wars, got it. And Blockbuster, got it. Solo was fine. Like, I understood that completely. But we didn't even get Ant-Man and Wasp. Or no, Infinity it was just trailer. like... I'm like, what is going on? It's like, it's like you know who's also very overly confident? Marvel, you know who also had that same overconfidence? Hillary Clinton. Clinton. Um, so yeah, those are our, those are our thoughts on Black Panther. Uh, as always, I've been Jeremy. I've been Matt. Later.